Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Commune Podcast. Tonight, our subject will be Dusk, uh, the first-person shooter from 2017. This will be our third podcast on Dusk. Uh, following, uh, or Tonight, we're going to be talking about uh, the enemies of Dusk, and in particular, we're going to be talking about Duskmare Mode. And uh, what makes the enemy design interesting, and uh, in particular, what differentiates uh, the difficulty levels of different enemies. Uh, Before we get into that, uh, I'm your host, yourself, and joining me, I have Adrian. Hello. Golem. Heidi Hill. And Shouty. Hello. Shouty is our star of the show tonight. He's going to be giving us the Duskmare tier list as the only one of us who has completed the game on the notoriously difficult Duskmare difficulty. I didn't actually complete the game. I just got up to the second to last level. So you... That, like, arena map, E3M9, that's where you stopped? Yeah. You can also skip that map uh, to get the pacifist... um, metal but yeah that's basically where i stopped i couldn't beat it okay did you wait so did you try jumping ahead and do an e3m10 yeah i tried that too i also couldn't do that really okay yeah. well, well we'll get into that more uh, when we're talking about the enemies because uh in your tier list if they're not already there i do want to make sure we talk about the bosses oh i don't have the bosses here all right well you'll have to figure out where jacob fits in uh, yeah, I guess. All right. <laughs> now you have to I, go over the other bosses, like the alligator or the. Well, look. If you couldn't beat Jacob, you better be at the top. <clears throat> Probably, yeah. Um. So, uh, before we start talking about enemies and tier lists and stuff, I just want to have a general question about Dusk. Um. Previously, we discussed the uh, map design in Dusk. In our second episode, we talked about arenas and their layouts. And in our first episode, we talked about just the general uh, like weapons and uh, distinguishing features of the game. Um, something I was thinking about when uh, playing through a little bit earlier today to prepare for this, uh, just think about like, oh, how hard is this supposed to be? Uh, I was playing on Switch on in handheld mode, and it was too dark, and I couldn't see anything, and I died a bunch of times, and I just needed to turn up the brightness on my system. And it made me think, uh, like, what brightness level do you guys play at? Like, how do you know that you can see everything that you're supposed to see? Because this is supposed to be like a horror game and it's supposed to be dark and atmospheric and lighting. So I'm curious what you guys think about that. Yeah, no, when I first started the game, it was way too dark and I had to immediately jump into the settings because I was just like stuck in the first room where I couldn't even find the stairs to get out of the, the place where you're hooked up. Uh, so Adrian, do you, you just make sure you can see everything, right? Like nothing should be invisible. No, it's not that I make sure that nothing's invisible. It's that I literally couldn't find my way out. And like, I'm in one, I was like basically hugging the walls. Like I'm just in this one room. Why can't I find 
the way forward, and it was because the game was just way too dark for me. Okay, so you adjusted it based on the first room of the game, pretty much? Pretty much. That's actually um, fortunate that that worked out. Yeah. I try not to mess with the in-game brightness settings. I, If I can't see the game, I do the brightness based on the hardware I'm using. So if it's just too dark on my computer screen, I'll just raise the brightness on my computer and not mess with the with the options on that, that the end game. Like I won't touch the gamma or the levels. Okay. So you go with hardware settings first before software settings. Yeah. Uh, and Golem, how about you? I guess <clears throat> I feel like games typically have like <clears throat> the discrete differences between, uh, whether you're supposed to see something or not. And so like um, in Dusk, there's a lot of times where, or there's not a lot, but there are a couple instances where you lose your flashlight and it's pitch black. And so like, okay, I understand the the challenge is finding my way through this uh, corridor where I can't see. Um, But there are other times where the light is like diminished uh, and I can still make out the walls. So... I cranked up the, I'm, I'm pretty sure when I cranked up the brightness all the way in game, I could still, uh, it was still impossible to see in those flashlightless corridors, but I could see everywhere else and it was still dark enough to be moody. And, um, if I may, just for contrast in Doom 2, uh, the, it's often, unclear like why is this one uh why is this one room just like super dark and i can't see the um arch file you know uh and so in dusk does a pretty good job of just like uh communicating by way of the fiction uh when i should and should not see stuff so you feel like the context of the environment, you're using context clues from the environment to determine what the brightness level is, or that the brightness level is appropriate. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and that, that kind of makes sense with what Adrian was saying about the first room of the game, because in the first room, you're or that first level, you're in like a cellar or something, like a dark, um, unlit room. Uh, and you sort of climb upstairs uh, into the daylight. It's kind of funny uh, when Adrian mentioned that. It reminded me of like, anytime you start a Resident Evil game these days, it comes with this screen that's like, adjust it so that you can see the house and not the trees or something. And right. like, it's almost as if that first room is a, a way of introducing that via gameplay. <laughs> no, that is cool. Um, yeah, I don't really have any good, um, answer for this question because I always, it's something I wonder about. And I think in particular, when you're talking about like doing it for Doom or Doom 2, uh, it's more difficult because those games are designed for CRT monitors. They have limited color palette and like CRT color definition is totally different than digital. Um, 
So, like, you're already moving through a couple of layers when you're trying to figure out what is Doom supposed to look like. So, I don't have a big problem throwing my hands up in the air and saying, like, whatever looks good to me is good enough. Uh, but with Dusk, like, it, I never really had any problem with anything being so dark that I couldn't see it. But I do think that I, uh, I'm looking at my settings now and I did turn up the brightness. Uh, to like 0.5 or something. So I'm the opposite of Shoddy. I won't mess with my hardware settings because I know where they are. I play other games and watch movies and stuff on them, so I don't want to touch that. So I always use the in-game settings. You know, as far as changing the brightness on the hardware, I just touch the brightness uh, like level. Like it's the the simple like like if like it's alongside the sound settings. It's not nothing too complicated. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I tweak that sometimes too. Like, I'm, it's not like I never do it. Uh, mm-hmm. I just always prefer, and with sound settings as well, like, I prefer to set it in game so that I can keep my TV settings the same all the time. Oh, I see. That's true. Um, okay. So, I, I don't, it sounds like no one had any particular difficulties in Dusk that evolved out of. Uh, the ability to see things. And I think that kind of makes sense because Dust's enemies um, a lot of times tend to come with their own light sources, like the fireballs that mages throw, for instance. <laughs> uh, and like the your riveter projectiles, your mortar projectiles, those all glow, so you really can't miss those. Uh, and they illuminate whatever you're shooting at as well. So... Um, on to the subject of enemies. Uh, first, I want to talk about the difficulty settings in Dusk. We probably have touched on this before, but just to really quickly go through it. Um, it's traditional in first-person shooters <laughs> on the model of Doom to have five difficulty settings. Uh, the easiest two are always completely ignored. The middle one is the default. The one above the middle one is your normal hard mode. That's the equivalent of ultraviolence. And in Dusk, that's Cerro Miedo. Adrian, pronounce that correctly for me. Cerro Miedo. Cerro Miedo, uh, which means zero fear, I think. Yep. Okay. Uh, And then there is the highest tier difficulty, which usually comes with some kind of weird quirk to it on the model of Doom's nightmare mode with its uh, respawning enemies. So in the case of Dusk, the difficulty settings uh, in particular, oh, what's the middle one called? Now I'm forgetting that too. What's the default difficulty called? No one remembers. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not bring it on. It's not come get some. <laughs> it's not Cerro Miedo? It's not. No, Cerro Miedo is the hard, that's hard mode. Oh, um. Shit, I don't remember. I I can take it, um, which is really similar to all the other medium modes. Hurt me plenty, uh, come get some, etc. So, Ceramido, compared to I can take it, does not add any new enemies, and none of the difficulty settings in Dusk change the enemies uh, that appear in the game. Uh, So there aren't... uh, distinct map layouts and uh, what they actually do is change the damage values and uh, speed values 
uh, that the enemies have. So, and they do not change damage values or HP values uh, relative to player weapons. So enemies always have the same amount of health regardless of difficulty. They just shoot faster and hit harder. Uh, Dustmare is the extreme version of that. In Dustmare, they shoot even faster than Cerebiedo. Uh, but they uh, additionally uh, all hits... Sort of all hits uh, kill the player in one hit. Shadi, can you explain like the nuance of that? Because it's not literally everything kills you in one hit. Right. Um, so environmental hazards and explosions will not kill you in one hit. They'll do regular damage. So you're still going to want to have to uh, look for health pickups if you lose health to that. But any um, projectile or, I guess, melee attack from an enemy will kill you in one hit. Right. And um, when you say the environmental damage, that also applies to uh, self-inflicted damage. So you can still do like riveter jumps or gas can jumps in Duskmare mode. Right. Of course. Which, which I think is very important because at first mm -hmm. when I played it, I was like, oh, that's going to really screw up the game if I can't do that. Or not really screw it up, but it's going to have a big effect. Right. Uh, so and actually, it's like you can't you can't accidentally just kill uh, kill yourself by being nicked by the by like the outer uh, circumference of an explosion. Right. And uh, they're also very rarely there's a damage floor. Um Mm -hmm. dusk and so that will not instantly kill you either so i think that one of the most uh like the damage floors you really have to i really had to deal with a lot was in e2m6 uh so erebus reactor has that lava floor and this that is one of the maps that i played in dusk mare uh and completed and so you can still take damage from that uh, without immediately dying. Although I think the map could be completed just fine, even if it did kill you instantly. There's no reason you have to go down there. Um, so, as I said, uh, or as I mentioned before, Shouty, you nearly completed the game on Duskmare. I played a few maps on Duskmare, uh, such as Erebus Reactor, uh, Golem, and Adrian. Did you guys mess with Duskmare at all? No. Nope. Did you guys play Sierra Miedo at all? Nope. I don't remember. I thought I did it when I was with you, but it may have been me looking for that last level. Okay. Um, I think that the what we're going to talk about a little bit here is the differences in how threatening particular enemies are due to the change in rule of um, every... Uh, of like basically damage values get thrown out the window and every hit counts the same. Mm -hmm. um, so we are going to be looking at it from the perspective of like, or the three of us other than Shouty are coming at it from the perspective of like it, uh, getting hit with a rocket in the face or from a uh, sister or cowgirl uh, is a bigger problem than getting hit by a fireball from a mage. But then when you go to Duskmare, it's like, nah, getting hit by those two things is basically the same thing. Right. Uh, so it does uh, flatten that out in a certain way. Yeah. So 
I thought it'd be interesting to talk about that, or actually, Shouty volunteered to do this tier list because uh, that sounded like a, a cool way to talk about this. It's kind of a fun thing to do with you know first person shooter games. People do it. I've seen Desino do a tier list of Doom's enemies, mm-hmm. and um, it's like it's kind of funny because it's, it's not. Uh, that was early on when I was first playing Doom. I remember watching that and thinking like, oh, this is like not how I would rank them at all. Uh, but when you look at them in the abstract, it it makes a lot of sense. Or, or like he made good arguments for it, uh, but everyone has their own expectations. Uh, so, Golem, can you just quickly explain what a tier list is? A way to express the relative value of elements that are part of a group. <laughs> well, it's okay. to rank them. It's a ranking system, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's trying to be just very a... precise, though. <laughs> uh, appreciated. Yeah, I, I guess a couple years ago, it was kind of a meme that everyone... On YouTube, with a YouTube channel or whatever, was doing tier lists of fast food restaurants or uh, <laughs> everything else. But it's something that goes back at least as far as in fighting games. Tier lists were always used to rank uh, characters' viability in uh, competitive play. Uh, famously, someone in a Tekken tournament won with a bottom tier character and quote unquote disproved tier lists for Tekken. Uh, yeah, so. so you're you're talking about tier lists in like a competitive context, whereas like uh, a tier list for Dusk enemies, what does that mean? Like what what is the spectrum on which they are being graded? Uh, well, that is up to the maker of the list, I think. Um, but for me, it's which enemy, if I'm on... My last hit point, and I have uh, 15 pistol ammo left, which enemy would I rather see if I want to survive the level, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, is it uh, an imp? Like, okay, I'll be fine. Uh, if it's a cyber demon and I need to get past it, then it might be a larger problem. All right. So, like, the level of threat that they pose to the player, to, yeah, like a generic player survival. I don't think that any of us are coming at this with a pretense of pure objectivity. Like, this is inherently a subjective process, which is why I bring up the Tekken example. Yeah, it's basically just us, well tier list there you can do it a few ways um with whatever metric you want um for example like i would look at it and say one way you could do it is saying which enemy killed you the most in your effort to complete dusk <laughs> that's one way to look at it that is uh definitely certainly when it comes to maps that's something that i think about like what map did i die on the most okay that's the hardest map <laughs> right. Like when I played through Doom on Ultraviolence, do just Doom 1, not Doom 2, uh, hands down, the enemy, which may surprise you, that was actually turned out being much more threatening because of those increase in damage value, is actually the shotgunners. Fuck those bastards. Yeah. Not? I, 
yeah, not Kako Demon, not even Cyber Demon, the friggin' shotgunners. They were the most dangerous thing. And uh, I know, again, you know, I, I play a lot more Doom than I play Dusk on a, you know, on a daily basis or whatever. So uh, when I play Doom, I sometimes when I'm thinking about, like, which enemy is more difficult, it is, like, in a group of enemies... If I walk into a room and I get blindsided and there's three different enemy types in there, who am I going to shoot first? Like, what do I need to get rid of first to maximize my survival? So, like, chain gunners are the, like, classic example in Doom. Like, you have to get rid of the chain gunners or you will die. Yeah. So with that being said, uh, let's just get into the uh, meat of it. And, Shouty, can you give us your whatever your bottom tier easiest enemies of Duskmare are. All right. So this is the D tier list, which is the bottom, uh, the, the D tier. So we've got the Grand Wizard, the Priestess, uh, the Leathernecks, and the Cart Dogs. So I put the Wizard down here because, you know, as much as they are basically damaged sponges. Their very slow projectile is really easy to deal with, no matter how uh, much it tracks you. You can. It's really not a threat if it's just gonna slowly move towards you. It'd be very easy to dodge, and it kills you in one hit. So. So it's. It's just a matter of. It's something that you can always avoid as long as you keep on the move. Yeah. There's no, there's nothing really unpredictable about it. It's very easy to see coming. Okay. All right. And how about the Leatherneck? Well, Leathernecks are also pretty easy to see coming. They're basically the same as the Wizard's projectile, except they have a wind-up to their attack, which is also very easy to get around. And the Cart Dog, the Cart Dog is interesting because it has that lunging attack. So it's really easy to fake out and just move to the side of it. There's really nothing to it. And it's also there are also a lot of instances where you encounter the cart dog and they're just stuck on a ledge, which really just leaves them open. That was the one thing I was going to say about the Leatherneck as well, is that the Leatherneck, just in terms of where it appears in the maps, is not usually set up in like any tricky situations it tends to be like you open a door there's three leathernecks um you just like back up and shoot them if you need to yeah and the priestess kind of has the same problem as the leatherneck i think they might be faster than leathernecks but they're they take a lot of time to wind up their attack oh do they so they're also no threat yeah Huh. So, can you do a, like, a pinky dance or a shambler dance with the Leatherneck and Priestess? Yeah, you can, but they have so little health that it wouldn't, very, it wouldn't last very long. I mean, I guess you could just do the dance without attacking them. It, well, yeah, it's something that I never really needed to do, and it makes you reflect on the difference with Quake, where the enemies take 12 hits to kill, versus Dusk, where a Leatherneck, um... Do they go down in one super shotgun hit? Yeah. Right. (laughs) I think you can take out multiple uh, leather necks with a super shotgun. Does the Priestess have 
a bit more HP than the Leatherneck, or is it about the same? I'm not sure. They don't take very long to kill either, though. Yeah, it's not substantially greater, and you usually don't see them in groups. Yeah, they. I think at most they'll come in pairs. Um, so, on the subject of these enemies, uh, Golem, what do you think is the, the hardest one of these enemies? Uh, I would have said the Priestess. Just because, um, everybody else, I have a good idea of the range, um, but the Priestess has that big old sword, and she kind of scoots around quickly um so uh, honestly when you said that she was had the same health as a leatherneck i was surprised or like had comparable health to a leatherneck i was pretty surprised uh i guess in my mind i bloated her health because like i just have trouble hitting her right that makes sense it's the like uh your ability to do damage is limited by the uh, ability to hit the enemy. Yeah, yeah. Adrian, what do you think about the uh, Grand Wizard being in D tier? Honestly, that one is surprising to me, just because, like, well, certainly, maybe by himself, it's not as dangerous. The, f- the fact is, the Grand Wizard is so often used in some of those arena setups and group setups that uh, that's what makes them more dangerous, and that's what I... See, that's where I... I guess the t- whole tier list and how we, how we uh, factor it in uh, can change our, our list from each other. But to me, that's what would make that enemy more dangerous to me. Because sure, by themselves, they're nothing, but <laughs> they're not always by themselves, and that's a thing. So he makes any arena combat scenario much more complicated just by virtue of him being there and, and having one homing projectile enemy on there. Yeah, so that is... I guess I should have talked about this when explaining or when we were talking about tier list, but like with Doom, it's a lot easier to do because there's such a volume of Doom maps. Even the like official Doom maps, you've already got like a hundred or something. Uh, and then, you know, you start talking about fan maps and the numbers in the tens or hundreds of thousands. Um, and so there's a million different contexts you see every enemy in and you get a better isolated sense of them. Whereas in Dusk, we're dealing with 30 maps and there's only so many cart dogs in the game, you know? There's like, uh, probably like 15 cart dogs total. Uh, so you don't see it in, if it's in a situation where it's stuck on a ledge or something like Shouty is talking about, what's well, like, that really, um, deprives that enemy of being any sort of threat Mm -hmm. you know now that you mention it it's it's kind of interesting that the the way shouty describes it the leatherneck's most interesting use is the first room in the game (laughs) yeah the leathernecks are as easy as they come if they're the first enemy you ever encounter i was also going to say that 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 the only other time you encounter a cart dog when they're not um, obstructed by anything is in um, in the City of Shadows where they're, they appear down a long alleyway. So that should be their bread and butter, but it's really easy to just wait for them to come and then move to the side and then kill them. 
Yeah. Um, I think a ground-based charging enemy is just not quite as dangerous as... Like, a, the cart dog's equivalent in Doom is the Lost Soul. And uh, Lost Souls are a flying enemy. Cart dog is a land enemy. And I think that makes all the difference in the world because Lost Souls can like sneak up on you, hit you from above. Like they're covering, they're dashing at you from angles that are not locked to the ground. Like it's not something that you can go up the stairs to get away from basically. So car dogs have like a Dalek problem. Oh yeah. They're also a lot smaller, so they're not obstructed as easily. Yeah, geez, and don't even talk about the Lost Souls in Brutal Doom, where they're really tiny and they can just fit everywhere. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so, yeah, the the thing that I would say about the Grand Wizard, uh, when it comes to this D tier, is that in Duskmare mode, everything's projectiles are faster. And I think that actually hurts the Grand Wizard, or at least for me. I have a harder time keeping track of a slow homing projectile that's following after me than a fast one, because the fast one, it catches up to me quickly, and I just quickly find a corner, or I just immediately find a corner to lose it on, where, like, the slow one is creeping after me, and I can't stand behind a wall for five seconds waiting it waiting for it to collide into something, because if I do that, some, some other enemy, like... Um, like Adrian was talking about, some other enemy is going to catch up to me. But with the really fast-moving projectiles in Duskmare, um, it, you can shake things faster, and it can actually help you out in terms of, like, you're doing... It's letting you be more mobile when you dodge, or at least that's what I find. I would agree if it weren't for the fact that enemies are more aggressive with their projectiles, at least other enemies but the grand wizard they'll fire one projectile and that'll be it for the most part though they'll just wait for their projectile to just dissipate before firing a new one so it's like they're not really that aggressive yeah hmm. didn't know that um okay so i think we can Ready to move on to see move up to the next tier yeah all right. With the C tier, you have Wendigos, Cowgirls, Turrets, and Scientists. All right. I'm a little bit surprised that Turrets weren't in the D tier. So how did they get up to C? Yeah, Turrets are kind of annoying, but they're pretty easy once you spot them. But it's like... Eh. I find them to be a little bit threatening because of their projectile attack. So, I don't know. I just, I guess, I just am a little bit wary of them more so than anything else. Well, you say because of their projectile attack, you mean because it's a, um... It's kind of a spread shot. Yeah, this is your lowest ranked of the like normal type scatter projectile. That is something that shows up a in, on a few different types of enemies in Dusk, um, and is one of the 
definitely one of the attacks that can really catch you off guard that doesn't matter that much in lower difficulties because it's not if you only get hit by like one part of this shot it's not going to do a lot of damage to you but on Dustmare that's the end of the game mm-hmm yeah so they can still be a bit tricky you just have to make sure they're you find them before they find you okay and how about the other ones uh I mean, I put Wendigo higher than Card Dog because I find that they're actually aggressive. I feel like Card Dogs just wander around a bit, then lunge. So they're just really kind of stupid. While Wendigo is actually pursuing you and not messing around. And, um... Cowgirls are just really... Honestly, I probably should have put Cowgirl in, de in Deeds here, but the fact that they have a lot of health and um, their explosion is just a little bit intimidating, I put them up in C, even though their, their wind-up for their attack is really slow. And it's also really easy to get them to hurt themselves, because they, they still take the splash damage from their own attack. Huh. Really? I put Scientists up in D above Leathernecks and Priests because I find that their wind-up for their attack is actually a little bit faster than the others. So I kind of also underestimate their range. Uh -huh. Yeah, the scientists I would definitely agree on any difficulty level are the most dangerous of the melee, or uh, of the basic melee enemies. Now, I think Wendigos are somewhat harder than scientists, but... Um, the scientists also do a lot of damage, so that uh, when you're outside of Dustmare mode, that makes them a lot more dangerous. Mm -hmm. They do something like 50 hit points. So, uh, looking at this C tier, uh, I'm struck by um, how different all the sound cues are, and I'm kind of wondering if I'm remembering them right. Um <clears throat> I feel like the cowgirl has like a really distinctive squeaky sound, right? Yeah, like an oily or a, a yeah, yeah, creaky wheel, squeaky wheel. Uh, the Wendigo, I'm pretty sure, has nothing, and then when you shoot it, it has that terrifying, um, blaring sound. Uh, the last two, I'm not sure if I'm making up in my head or if <laughs> this is actually what they do. I remember the turrets beeping and the scientists laughing. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. And so the Leathernecks, you hear their chainsaws, right? Yeah. There was something stupid in my reflexes where like I would hear the chainsaw and be like, oh crap, an enemy. And then the scientist I would hear laughing and just like exclude that from my awareness, like <laughs> like write it off as part of the background. That's the ambient soundscape. Yeah. <laughs> so it's almost like there's a there's a a sound cue to your list. <laughs> yeah. The scariest sound. Well, then the priestess would have to be really high up because she has that horrible screeching metal sound. Oh, yeah. That scraping metal sound. Well, she sounds like a sheep uh, when she dies, so it's not so bad. God, I hate that. Well, the, the metal noise, actually, it sounds a little bit like the Godzilla roar because they use that as part of the Godzilla roar. Oh. <laughs> Um, 
Yeah, off topic. Go on. The Wendigos actually, you can hear them breathing even when they're invisible. Yeah. And you, their alert sound is like a whooshing sound, like a, gu- a gust of air came through the, the room, and I think also the lights flicker. Yeah, the light flickering is something that I took me a little while to pick up on. Uh, but yeah, I think that the cowgirl, in terms of like auditory awareness, the cowgirl is definitely the one I notice, or my ears are looking for because you can she's always set up in a way it feels like that you can hear her well before you are threatened by her essentially like for instance on e2m6 erebus reactor there are a bunch of cowgirls that are inside of buildings that um we discussed in our last podcast um or, or like sheds, basically. And some of them uh, you have to open the doors to, but even the one that you don't, uh, she can't really see you until you bring her into sight. So it feels like the game always lets you have a lot of control of the aggro of cowgirls, which I think does... Like, I think that uh, they would be more threatening if they were you if they were placed more like... Um, Less like a mini-boss, but they are treated like a mini-boss, basically, by the game. Yeah. I mean, there are times when I, you know, they're just normal enemies, like in um, the Tower of Babel uh, level, where everything is all high up. There are a couple of cowgirls there, and they're kind of just normal. They're just part of the gang. So I think that's a good use of them. Okay. Um, Adrian, what do you think about turrets? Yeah, the turrets is, is a surprising one, because I would imagine this uh, the stationary enemy would be the one in the in the D tier, not C. Hmm. Yeah. I mostly remember the turrets from just a couple maps, and one of them is uh, E2M2 into the Thresher. Uh or is that E2M3 into the Thresher? Uh, where there's there are ones that shoot at you from below when you're on that graded that uh, floor grading, and that's really annoying. Yeah, that's definitely the most dangerous <laughs> turret, and that's I, that might have been what pushed it into C over D. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. All all it takes is that one obnoxious use of it to bump it up a tier, so I can understand that. In a in a broader sense, though, I think being stationary really makes it more dangerous because all of the un- other enemies will, like, expose themselves from behind cover. Uh, whereas the turret, um, I mean, not just the ones under the floor in Enter the Thresher, there's ones just, like, around the wall that you have to peek out and shoot. At the, You mean, like, at the beginning of the map? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, those ones you can make in fight with each other. Yeah, you, know, you just gotta, <laughs> you just gotta come around the corner the right way. I do it every time I play that map, yeah. and uh, they'll they'll pretty much perfectly destroy each other. So neither one will survive. <laughs> oh, I wish I'd known that. That's the beauty of infighting with projectiles. Uh, okay, so that's a surprising C-list, because I think that the Wendigo and the, um, 
the cowgirl are two of the enemies that the game ranks or the game seems to present as two of the hardest or most uh just boss like enemies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Both of them get a lot of uh introduction, for instance. Mm-hmm. Right. Alright. Um uh, do we want to move to the B tier? Alright, here it is. In B tier, we've got the ma- the Fork Maidens, uh, Chomper's Son, Ball Bone, uh, Bone Ball, and Horror. So I put Fork Maiden here instead of anything higher because I feel like their windup for their attack is still easy to get around, and the way that they're placed in maps, you still have you still have a lot of cover to deal with them, so they're not at that terrible, but they're still pretty tough. Uh, same thing with uh, Chomper's Son, actually. Chomper's Son, you don't really encounter them all that much. So, they're easy to also easy to deal with. I think if Chomper's Sons were more uh, uh, maliciously placed, they'd be higher on the tier list. Maybe even A or C, or A or S. Um, uh, Bone Ball is, um, deceptively difficult like their spread attacks are might seem difficult but they're pretty easy to dodge actually because they're not really aiming at you right and um like they're not aiming at you but in a like a scatter shot way so they're easy to get around their projectiles and their ai is just really brainless so it's just easy to just push them away and, and deal with them yeah they almost don't feel like an enemy as much of as an environmental hazard right and the horror is also pretty slow to react in terms of just... You're able to really just sneak up on them as much as they're able to sneak up on you. So I can usually uh, get to them before they can get to me, just be, just based on how they're placed on maps, even if they have that scary scatter shot. But why is the bone ball this high? Like, what makes it more dangerous than a um, cowgirl? Yeah, I still am able, uh, able uh, it can still get me just just because of its scatter shot, like the sheer volume. Yeah, it has still gotten me so, more than a few times. Hmm. And the fork maiden above the cowgirl as well surprises me. And is that just because of the windup? <laughs> Their windup is shorter than the cowgirls. So, yeah. Right. Okay. I think they're, de- they're hard to deal with. Because that's... It's interesting how much you uh, and figured out about the wind-up times. Because that isn't something that I really noticed that much when I was playing. Like, I, when I'm dealing with projectile enemies... Like, that's something I notice much more when I'm dealing with hitscan enemies, right? Because wind-up time is, like, what you have to interrupt... Uh, but when you're dealing with uh, projectile enemies, I uh, don't pay as much attention to the windup because I just tend to be in default circle strafe mode. Uh, but I do think, and you probably agree, that on Duskmare, or on, on the increasing difficulties, it becomes closer to hit scan in terms of how you dodge things. Yeah. I know we've talked about that before, and I know we're going to talk about it as we get further up this list. 
Right. So just um, a thought experiment. So Shouty, uh, still on Duskmare, take Cuddy Mine and replace all of the Fork Maidens with Cowgirls. Uh, is that an easier map? <laughs> uh, hmm. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, as long as I have enough ammo, I would, uh, I would say yes. Because okay. there are they're like damage spongy, but hmm, I think it'd be easier. That's a big if, though. Like, er, that's a big as long as I have enough ammo, because that is a part of. You know, you're talking about like how often does this enemy kill me? Like in terms of how threatening its attacks are, but if you run out of ammo, I feel like then... cutting. Yeah, cutting mine in particular, not much ammo, and you're relying on um. Items to, uh, what is it, block shots, right? Which you wouldn't be able to do with an explosive, right? Well, uh, as Shouty mentioned at the beginning, the explosive does not one-hit kill you in Duskmare. Hmm. So you can eat some of that damage. Yeah, I'd feel pretty good if, like, if Cuddy Mine was rebalanced with, uh, with the cowgirls instead of fork maidens and yeah, but, as like a later but game not rebalance. level. But not yeah, rebalance. But, but that's the thing though, because I'm also grading these enemies based on their placement in maps. So okay. if like I'm, I'm ba- it's, it's not like I'm doing this based on like a a, a, sl- a slew of uh of um fan made maps that uh, for dusk i'm doing this based on the vanilla dusk levels yeah okay that's part of it for me too that like i would place fork maidens as harder than cowgirls because cowgirls always get like very careful placement and setup and the right space to deal with them in whereas the fork maidens i feel like the maps kind of take for granted that like oh it's just an imp but it's like harder than an imp but it's still in the imp tier and in that way is like uh outsized in difficulty i don't agree with that about the fork maidens i think that the they are presented as the mini boss enemy of the first episode uh and for instance in e1m7 uh into the night or whatever that one's called uh the map we discussed last time uh, there are two fork maidens in the map, and they appear after you've done the main, like, um, outdoor area. And you get the red key, which is what allows you into the final house of the map. And bef- as soon as you pick up the red key, two fork maidens spawn in between you and the red lock that you need to get to. And it's just two Fork Maidens. At that point, you theoretically have cleared out the rest of the map. And the other waves of enemies are much larger and mixed. Like uh, multiple mages and Black Phillips um, and Leathernecks in there. And Scarecrows as well. But the Fork Maidens are by themselves and it's just two of them. Uh, And I think that there are a few encounters like that where it's the game wants you to focus on that enemy in isolation. Yeah, okay. Actually, I do remember that encounter being pretty difficult to get around. 
Maybe I should have bumped them up to A tier, but we'll see. <laughs> that was when we were practicing for the last, or when I was practicing for the last podcast and playing all those maps in Duskmare. That killed me a few times, and it was really irritating because it's right at the end of the map. <laughs> it was, mm. That's like the last thing that can get you in that map. There are a few more enemies afterwards, but it's mostly just like Leathernecks and kind of nothing. Uh, and then there's um, in E, I believe it's E3M8, as above, so below, there is like this house that has an attic in it. And there are two, there's like a bounce pad on the floor level of the house. They can bounce you and enemies up to the second or third floor. And there's an attic that has two fork maidens in it. And they kind of are placed in the shadows so that when you get up there, they aggro you. Mm -hmm. And that area can be very chaotic. And it's pretty early in the map. You don't have a, uh, if you're pistol starter, you don't have a ton of ammo at that point. Um... And they can easily get you, like, just as soon as you get up to that attic area. Right. What if you use the Crystal of Madness? Well, yeah, the Crystal of Madness is definitely what you want to use in that whole uh, arena setup. And there's a, there are a couple cowgirls there, too. I mean, that's one of the hardest parts of the game, that because uh, that's sort of the final real map. Uh and there are a few of those cowgirls there, and they're fork maidens. And now that I think about it, I think the cowgirls have probably killed me more than the fork maidens have. Yeah, that's for me, the cowgirls, um, one in particular, is actually just... Frequently, it was, it, it was never often a direct hit, but often the explosion, if they hit any wall or even another enemy uh, that was behind or near me, even though the projectile missed... So that was typically the thing about the cowgirl that would get me way more than a than a fork maiden. Do the yeah, and that's a thing that if um, affects the lower difficulties more so than Duskmare. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm keeping that in mind too because I remember how if you were to put me through this like rate tier enemies on Doom in the normal versus ultra violence that that's why I'm like I'm not. Uh, pushing too hard against how Shouty's ranked it here, because I, I can see where it's coming from. Yeah. The Do the cowgirls shoot in volleys, or do they shoot one rocket at a time? I think they do shoot volleys if you're still in their sights and they're shooting. And the fork maidens only shoot a single projectile, right? Yeah. Okay. So there's... What about the turrets? Well, they shoot, like, a volley of scatter shots, right? Yes, they're constantly shooting if you're in their sights. And the horrors only shoot a single shot. Yeah, it's pretty intermittent. But the horror shot is quite fast compared to other scatter projectiles, right? That's like faster than soldier bullets. Yeah, it's like a double scarecrow shot. Yeah, and the horrors themselves are a fast enemy. Uh, mm -hmm. So... They, if they are better at getting close to you and firing off that scatter shot. Um, yeah, but that just makes it just as easy to get you get uh, you get in their face for a shotgun blast or two. Yeah, and it in uh, this is again like a duskmare difference where it it kind of works against them. 
that they are good at getting close to you and firing this scatter because it doesn't have as much time to fan out. Uh, whereas, like, a, when a scarecrow shoots at me from far away, that's the scariest thing because then there's bullets everywhere. And the turrets kind of go that way too. Like, there are a couple that are really far away in into the thresher when you come into that arena uh, that can spread those shots everywhere. Whereas the horror, if you're fairly close to it, uh, its projectiles are going to be kind of all clustered together and easier to sidestep. Hmm. Okay, so Chomper Jr. Chomper's son. Chomper's son. Um, If that was a flying enemy... Do you think that that would be higher tier versus a swimming enemy? Oh, definitely. Yeah, this... I, f- I feel like if it was anywhere besides where you encounter it, it'd be a higher tier enemy. And can you just remind us what that enemy does? Because you don't see it very often in the game. It just shoots... It just swims around and shoots projectiles at a pretty high speed. Especially on Duskmare. Right. So it's basically... I mean, swimming is essentially flying just limited to specific areas yeah especially because in dusk you don't have a limited supply of air right okay uh in that case we can move up to a tier in a tier we have scarecrows mages uh bone monks and welders so scarecrows has has that spread chart I just mentioned and they move around pretty slowly in open wide open areas so they can get you it's really tough to find cover from them but I'm able I think if you see there's their shot coming at a far away enough distance it's easier to dodge them just because it's like uh you can basically slip through the the blank spot trying to circle scrape them is a bad idea though because they can get you on the outside of the shot, outside curve of their scatter shot. So, um, yourself actually told me the best way to deal with them is by crouching and, and uh, doing the, the dodge roll or the dodge slide that this game has. Because you can basically uh, be guaranteed you're going to only have to dodge like one projectile on the ground. Yeah, just the distribution of the shots, because it's a scatter of, like, five projectiles or something like that, usually not too many of them are going to come near the ground, and so you can get under a lot of them, and the slide moves fast, too. So it's faster than the projectiles, so if you really want to, you can just uh, backpedal with the slide until (laughs) you find a way to, or until they spread out far enough that you can get between them. (laughs) So the mages I have so high up here is because they're they're basically everywhere and their projectiles just come out really fast and they're always shooting projectiles and they're just the uh, so difficult to deal with I think like I'm always casting a dusk a, a mage fireball one every game every level I play so they're definitely uh, something I want to be careful of if I'm dealing with them, especially when they're coming in crowds. Yeah, I think because of the, again, it's like a sheer volume thing where um, 
there's so many of them around that like you want to thin them out a little bit. Otherwise, the air is just going to be filled with fireballs all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same thing with the uh, the bone monks, which have this. Well, I mean, they're basically aerial mages, and but I think they're kind of stupid. They they get, like to get stuck on the on the geometry at the level, especially in the City of Shadows. So they're not that dangerous, but they're still pretty dangerous, and they kind of make me nervous because I want to sneak around and get them before they can get me. Elders are interesting. They're basically like mages, except they're they fire a continuous stream of fireballs, and their fireballs have like a scattering property, and um. They're kind of like the chain gunner in Doom if they had a projectile instead of hit scanner. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I think like they're like an arachnotron, but oh, that's a better um, uh, comparison. Yeah, the scatter makes it a little bit more difficult than an arachnotron. Um, yeah, so you have to kind of be careful with them when you're looking for cover from them because. Uh, if you take cover and you come out like only a, a moment uh, too soon, they'll keep firing and you they will get you because their projectiles are that fast. So you have to have some patience with them. I guess uh, the reason why they're not even higher is because uh, they're pretty useful when dealing with other enemies because when they die, they explode taking care of others. So they're tough but useful. Yeah, that is a really odd... I mean, that's one of the things... I think the Welder is probably the coolest enemy in Dusk altogether. Uh, and definitely, uh, it all comes down to the way that they self-destruct, which is... You know, it's not the only FPS enemy that self-destructs. Like, we have drones in Duke 3D, for instance, but it's the only instance where it's actually something that is works to your advantage. Um in like a neutral way. Like it can get you, but more often than not, I'm not right on top of a welder that I'm killing. And he is more likely to be on top of other enemies because he's not a charging sort of enemy. Um, so the self-destruct and uh, lost souls in various alternate versions of doom, like the 2016 doom um also do a self-destruct type attack but again like drones those are a charging enemy um so that's pretty much only an offensive self-destruct whereas the welders are like in and of themselves a weapon that you can use mm-hmm. yeah yeah this uh area in the tier list uh i'd say is is very much in line with what I expected, the only one probably in the normal mode would actually be the um, the clansman, the regular kind. But if, but because this is also considering Duskmare and the fact that they are one hit harder, B are shoot more frequently, and then C also shoot more fa- faster projectiles, it's like okay, no, I totally get why he's up this high. Yeah, I think it's really the faster projectiles that gets me on Dustmare with the mages. Like, you can turn around and one of those things that's all the way across the map is just that you thought you were safe from just catches you out of nowhere. 
Uh, and they can, they really end up being what pins you down. I think the bone monks don't do that as much because the bone monks, because they fly, are able to get a lot closer to you. Uh, and I actually think that that's makes them a little bit easier to deal with. Whereas mages, you know, are a lot of times going to be placed uh, on ledges and things so that they stay far away from you. You can get really cheesy with bone monks if you want to. I mean, you know, you can cheese a lot of things, but um, with bone monks, I do it accidentally sometimes where I'll just find them all clustered up next to a door uh, that I took too long to go through and then can take them all out pretty easily. So I actually don't find them that threatening. Yeah, I... Between their behavior and their health, I feel like Bone Monks were one of the enemies I had an easier time with in the game. There's that, uh, Adrian, I was watching you play E2, E3, M2, Fire and Ice. Yeah. And there's that big encounter with like 20 Bone Monks or something when you get to the that big ice field. Right. Or snow field. Mm-hmm. And I remember your game uh, just, like, shut down, or, like, just was lagging insanely. <laughs> yeah, the lag was insane, and it, that made it a lot harder. So I actually had, I basically just gave up even recording Dusk anymore at that point, because there was no way I could do both. Um, the thing is, it still lagged, so I think the one thing with the, that still pushes the Bone Monk, at least... I can't see a case being made for it to be put in B tier. The only other thing is the fact that I don't think there's as actually as much of a tell for when he shoots. Because his projectile is already fast. And his arms, well, whatever tell he has, I don't see it. Because I remember it just looks like the fireball just appears out of him. And uh, given the way that I shoot where I tend to, uh, I tend to avoid shooting while moving if I can help it. And, some, and it... it always seems to know to fire in those times when I decide to do that. So I think it's gotten it's more hits on me than um, some of the prior enemies. Like I think those have hit me more than the, the bone ball back there. Okay. Bone monks um, uh, because they're flying they have another advantage which is that they're harder to hit with short range weapons. So you're not going to sword um, a bone monk and using the shotgun against them tends to be kind of ineffective as well, especially the super shotgun. So they tend to be something that I save sniper rounds or crossbow bolts for. Yeah. So I don't even have a good sense of how much HP they have because I always use a pretty strong weapon against them. I thought they were kind of beefy. Too beefy to just take one uh, crossbow, uh, uh, crossbow bolt. Yeah. Well, do, okay. Yeah, a crossbow bolt is actually kind of weak, but uh, everything takes a few hits with that. Uh, but a sniper round will take him down in one. The scarecrows, however, are one of the meatier enemies you deal with early on, and in this tier, they're really like the meatiest enemy. Yeah, they're also very skinny, so it's really difficult to just get a grip on them. They're kind of like revenants. 
even, <laughs> That's true. See, and the thing, uh, and I can vouch for the position of the Scarecrow here, because even in the uh, E3M9, where you're slowing them down and shit, some of them would still get me just by virtue of the fact that the spread was so wide. And because of the fact that there were multiple of them. So I remember the Scarecrows were the one that's like, I have to reserve the, um, and it was the fact that it was the Scarecrows mixed with cart dogs. So that, that one is just like, I always had to use the super hot power up for. Um, okay. I think we can move on to the, well, the, um, uh, I was just going to say about the skinny enemies, or a sca- scarecrow being skinny and hard to hit. Um, I wanted to talk about the shape of enemies and uh, how that makes them difficult to hit, but I know that there's an enemy coming up that is going to be the appropriate place to talk about that. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, unless you guys have further comments, I think we can move to the S tier. Nope. Let's go S tier. In S2, we have Black <laughs> Phillip, Possessed Soldier, and Rat. I still think the Rat might be... Okay, the Rat, that one is maybe too high. I get it's funny because they're so friggin' annoying. Um, but but yeah, it's Duskmare. I, I do understand the Dusk that part. Mare. I will yeah. <laughs> I, I, I was, I was, I, I didn't want to do it, but I eventually relented on putting the Rat in S tier because they're just so annoying. They're yeah. so annoying. They are. <laughs> They can't even die in one hit from a pistol properly. They're just walking landmines and just... Walking landmines, that's the perfect description. (laughs) (laughs) The Black Phillip also makes sense to me. They run at you and their little blood bullet that they do, or whatever the hell that is. um, I still remember in the first episode, that was the thing that probably hit me the most, which was the the Black Phillip doing its little blood bullet thing. Because its wind-up looks a lot just like its normal run, so it's a very subtle difference. But sometimes even when I see it, it's like I can barely see that projectile moving. Or, I'm sorry, I can barely see that projectile because it's already so small. It's not a big, oversized, glowing fireball. It's just a, you know, a small droplet of blood about the size of its own eyeball. And that's where visibility comes in, where it's like the mage fireball, because it emits light, uh, like I was talking about earlier, is a lot easier to spot and read, versus the Black Phillip projectile is just not uh, something that you can really spot all that well. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, the rats are a nightmare. I mean, I think everyone agrees, even if they're... on easier difficulties, not necessarily the most deadly enemy in the game. Like, they are... It's a shooting game, and you have to shoot things, and they are the hardest to shoot. <laughs> I guess my question for Shouty is the uh, the military trooper there is... What's the difference between his shooting speed and the Scarecrow's? The thing about the Scarecrow is that it shoots one shot that scatters, but... The possessed soldiers have this very, I guess it's like they shoot three one after an, uh, each one after another, so it can just it can get uh, rather unpredictable as to where their shots are going to be. Mm-hmm. You can't like anticipate uh, the sh- where the shots will be as e- as easily as the scarecrows. Okay, yeah, because my thought was, and uh, well, both in the base game and and Duskmare was that the scarecrow is still shooting at um. Uh, it like like the scarecrow isn't rapid firing because he's still got a shotgun, so there's still going to be some time before his next shot. 
whereas it looks like whereas the uh, trooper, I imagine he's probably shooting with the same frequency as the uh, the clansman. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And if he's doing that, where there's a you know the little spread there, I I can understand why this guy jumps to S tier. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's the shotgunner. <laughs> For- right. Well, a- anything that fires in a volley puts pressure on you for a longer amount of time, I think. And that's something that stacks up more and more with number of enemies. Um, and so the Scarecrow, you actually usually see in isolation anyway, or in maybe twos but or pairs. Uh, but the Possessed Soldiers... Um, you know, that's like a cannon fodder sort of enemy is the way that that's treated. Uh, and so there are setups that have four or five more of them. And because they are shooting in volleys, like it's putting pressure on you for a long amount of time. And that's really controlling where you're able to move or restricting, I should say. Right. And uh, I can only guess at the aggressiveness, but right now I'm interested in shouting what put the possessed soldier a tier above the welder what kept the welder down a tier in a because i would have i I'm, I'm only guessing but i could have seen a case also being made for the welder being an s tier yeah the welder is slower than the possessed soldier so they're not as aggressive okay in terms of just closing the distance and getting you right okay invading your cover i see yeah, once they uh, unbrandish their little f- flamethrower thingy, it takes them just as long to uh, to re-engage. Welders are also huge, uh, and maybe the easiest target in the game. Yeah, they're, they're slow and large. They're yeah, <laughs> <clears throat> thick. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, it, like a mancubus, I guess would be the comparable size enemy from. Doom 2. Mm-hmm. Or a Kako Demon, those are pretty large too. Yeah. So the Black Phillips, Shouty, you tell me that those are basically hit scanners. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially on Duskmere. It's a lot more prevalent. It's a lot more apparent here. And that means effectively that when you say like there it the equivalent of hit scanners. What exactly do you mean? I just mean that if they see you and you're not really moving around that much and you don't get to and you don't shoot them first, they're going to shoot you. Right. So it's the sh- the quick draw uh, scenario. Yeah. And when you have an enemy as fast as Philip, the quick drawing is pretty difficult. The fast and the Philip. <laughs> 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 and they're uh, short as well, so they're a little bit harder to hit than certainly than a leatherneck, which is what you see them a lot with in early maps. Yeah, Philip has a weird shape. They're a quadruped enemy, which is unusual for a first-person shooter. <laughs> well, wait a minute. Wolfenstein has dogs. Yeah, and they're also kind of hard to hit. Quake has dogs. They're also kind of weird. Yeah, they're weird too. Well, All of them are weird. Yeah, but Wolfenstein also doesn't have a vertical aim. Uh, yeah, but you have to decide whether you really want to kill a regular dog. They are not good boys, and they do not go to doggy heaven. 
they're not even demons or zombies or anything. It's they're... just literally a dog. <laughs> uh, yeah, but the the quick draw thing, you know, that's how proper hit scan enemy works. I think we've talked about it in the past. I know we've talked about offline. I don't know if we've talked about it in the podcast. Um, how hit scanners became such a taboo in first person shooters because they. <laughs> Basically, they're just used badly. They're designed badly and used badly, starting with Duke Nukem 3D, really, where um, they don't have any way for you to quick draw them. Like, you just have to take damage from them. Right. Uh, and it's sort of a garbage thing that happened with the build engine and kind of uh, ruined what I think is a perfectly decent type of enemy. <laughs> and so I think Black Phillips. Uh, and just the fast projectiles and dustmare in general are a way to sneak by the people who would say, oh, hitscan is such bullshit. It's bullshit to have hitscan enemies. It's like, oh, no, it's f- this is fair because it's projectiles. Uh, but yeah. really, you're doing the same thing, fighting it the same way as you would fight a hitscan enemy. Um, so Shadi and I have discussed that a bunch. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I agree. Ultimately, I disagreed with him at first, but I think ultimately, after playing it enough, really, um, if I see if I'm playing on Dustmare and I see a black fill up, like immediately, I need to shoot it or get behind cover. I don't engage with them in the open, and they're always placed in the open too. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> see the that's one of those other things that changes the. Uh, the evaluation of the tier list is how they how they're placed. Because I imagine if you put some of those bone balls in tighter, cramped spaces, they could easily jump up a tier. There are a couple in episode three. I think when they're first introduced in like E3M four mm-hmm. or five or so, they're in kind of small areas. I think you're still able to lure them out into an open area, and they actually have this. I think this is actually programmed into their behavior where they deliberately like make space away from you so they can like go off into the air. Oh, really? Yeah, like they don't try to get closer to you. They actually try to keep a cer- certain distance from you. That's interesting. The um the maps I mostly remember them on where they are very much in the open as you said are uh, E3M7 Homecoming, which is the weird uh, rotating uh, town map or whatever. Uh, And then uh, E3M5, I think, Blasphemy, which is the giant red field Mm -hmm. around a church where the tornado comes. Right. Um, And they're just totally trivial on both of those maps. Like, you, the bone balls, you just don't have to deal with them at all. Like, you have so much room to get away from them Mm-hmm. And your shots do not have the bone balls are slow, so like even your projectile shots are very easy to land on them. Yeah, the key thing with the bone ball is it's it's razzle dazzle, so it's shooting a lot of projectiles, but it's shooting them a lot a lot of them not at your position. So the key thing, it's like it's it's the enemy where avoiding it is actually staying still until you see the one shot then that you actually do have to move out of the way from. Everything else is a, is a is razzle dazzle. Golem, what do you think about soldiers being an S tier? You know, I can't say anything that Shadi or 
can't say anything that Adrian didn't already say. We're like, wow, it's really surprising to see him up here because that's not, you know, on lower difficulties, you just shotgun them and they're dead right away. But, um, yeah, I'm sure that speed and, and the player's lower health does make a big difference. Mm-hmm. Just using the shotgun in general on Duskmare requires you to be a lot faster about everything. Like, I... Not even on entirely on Dustmare, but even on Sermieda, I don't use the shotgun nearly as much as I do on when I first played through the game because I just don't want to be close to anything. Right. <clears throat> okay. Um, so there is Shouty's tier list. I'm just going to read it from top to bottom one more time. Uh, in S tier, we have Black Phillip. Possessed Soldier, Rat, and A-Tier is Scarecrow, Mage, Bone Monk, and uh, Welder. In B-Tier is Fork Maiden, Chomper's Son, Bone Ball, and Horror. In C is Wendigo, uh, Cowgirl, Turret, and Scientist. And in D is Grand Wizard, uh, Leatherneck, Cart Dog, and Priestess. Uh, and I still think the most shocking part of it is Cowgirl being in C tier. <laughs> upper, upper, down a tier for you. Cowgirl is an A tier enemy for sure. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's your list. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, Golem, if you had to um, reposition one of just one of these enemies, what would you move? Oh, I mean, <laughs> I feel like we all, we talked about them so thoroughly. It's hard to um. Okay, Adrian, how about you? Uh, definitely some of the ones that are put in D tier for the the Red Duke particular. Um, You'd move him up. Yeah, to move him up. Uh, same with Cart Dog because you know Cart Dog is still fast and wide, meaning you you kind of need. It's one of those things you need to already be moving or jumping to get away from him but i also just still have bad memories from getting trying to get through e9 where cart dog plus scarecrows it's like i have to use super hot and holy shit somehow they're still hitting me but that's also just because of some bad design decisions made by dusk where a cart dog spawns behind me goddamn out of nowhere and then rams into me before i can even hear him um so cart dog has left a much greater impression on me than it seems to have uh, on Shouty on his Dustmere runs. I feel differently or like I it sounded like Shouty was saying that Cart Dog was consistently put in a spot where you could cheese it and like even his example of the of the water city level like um, you don't have to deal with the Cart Dog in the alleyway there's just like that little alcove you can jump in and it sits there waiting for you to kill it uh, and on E3 M9 that's just the map where you like hop around the perimeter and everything dies. <laughs> uh, so, um, I felt like Cart Dog was kind of impotent. Yeah, Cart Dog's a piece of shit. That <laughs> deserves to be an F tier. It doesn't even belong in D tier. Like, <laughs> it is so easy to deal with. <laughs> I I think that it's an enemy that is not 
quite implemented to the standard of necessarily everything else in the game. I just don't think it really works that well. I would bump uh, it up a tier for, um, like, marketability. <laughs> well, yeah, it, it's a it's a bit of a joke. You know, people like it. <laughs> yeah. It's memorable. But being in such a low tier is what, what cinches the joke, I think. Yeah, it's joke tier. Um, yeah. I thought it was just a battering ram when I first saw it. I didn't understand that it was supposed to be like an actual dog with no legs. <laughs> and I don't know how it even moves. It that's, doesn't make a lot what? of sense, but it's demonic. Yeah, that's the funny part. Yeah. Um, okay, so bosses. Uh, so the bosses that were left out of this list are Intoxicator... Uh, the experiments, Big John, uh, Chomper. What else is there? And Jacob. Yeah, Nyarlat Hatap. Well, the Nyarlat Hatap isn't really like a normal enemy. It's more like Seathon from Quake. Oh yeah. So that leaves us about six bosses. Uh, well, the thing is that. Well, does anyone think that the bosses... Like, how would you guys rank the bosses? Let me simplify it. What was the hardest boss? Uh, Adrian, why don't you start? Uh, let's see. Which ones took me the most tries? I saw you play Experiment a lot of times. Yeah, I think it's tied between Experiment and Guardian? A Guardian, I skipped him, yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay. Um, Golem, what do you think? Uh, you know what? I think the easiest boss was probably that, um, the one you related to Pac-Man. Guardian. Uh, yes. <laughs> that's the easiest boss? Really? Yeah, that's surprising. <laughs> yeah, because, um, if I remember right, doesn't that map have, uh, one of the, what the hell is that explosive weapon? It has a riveter and it has or the riveter. Um it gives you a lot of riveter and then it gives you a bunch of fast fire totems. So that's one of the few places where you can get stat where you can stack fast fire totems. Yeah, so that's a map where you don't have to be good at the like the um deathmatch style dodging the way you do with Intoxicator or Jacob. Um and instead just like use the level design, shoot around a corner and it's dead pretty quickly. At least on um, freaking hurt me plenty, whatever it is. I can take it. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, well, yeah, the deathmatch style dodging wouldn't really work because he just pukes out so many damn mortars, and it's just like a total like scatter of. It's just really hard to predict and dodge, or it's not really possible really to predict. Well, yeah, if you're dodging it, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you shouldn't be anywhere near the boss. Yeah. Um, Shadi, how do you think the Guardian ranks? Oh uh, Yeah, I'd, I'd put the Guardian up there as one of the tougher enemy, uh, tougher bosses. Um, but on Duskmare, um, I was never able to beat Big John. No, not Big John. No, wait. 
Oh, Big John is that guy. No, I was confusing him with Jacob. Right. Yeah, B- Big John. I actually never actually beat properly. He is probably the hardest boss for me because I cheesed him. Yeah, he's so... There's a lot of ways to cheese him, and I don't even exactly remember what he does because... He just shoots at you. He shoots really hard to dodge uh, spread shots, and okay. I just cheesed him. I shoot him before I can even, like, be alerted, and then he dies, and I'm, I don't want to fight him. <laughs> <laughs> you can hit him with radiation barrels and uh, kill him with damage over time. Um, you can set up a trap for him where he blows himself up. Like, there's a bunch mm-hmm. of ways to deal with him. Yeah. An experiment you can also totally circumvent fighting um you can make the two experiments in fight with each other you can get out of the level without fighting them right um yeah you can just ignore them completely so they're not really i think fighting them straight up like one at a time they are pretty tough especially because you're in a small room and they shoot some of the largest volleys of projectiles that you see in the game. Mm-hmm. So I never tried fighting them straight up on Duskmare, but I imagine that would be pretty difficult to do. Yeah, I never fought them straight up on Duskmare either. What about Intoxicator? Uh, I, I kind of cheese Intoxicator too. I just threw the soap at him. What about the second Into- or son of Intoxicator? Well, that was actually pretty easy because there are all those pillars I could hide behind and yeah. uh, sneak around and shoot him. I think that arena is a little bit easier to deal with him than the first one. Actually, I didn't want to deal with the cowgirls that came after. The, the, the twin sisters, I think they're called. Yeah, that's the twins. So I just I just shot them through with the crossbow. <laughs> oh, yeah, I do that too. Um... And then the final encounter is rats. <clears throat> you mean the raticomb, uh, the rat king? <laughs> oh, no, I was just referring to that fight from which... Oh, yeah, you're right, there's a rat trap. Is. Yeah, it's like Son of Intoxicator, then the twins, and then, like, two rats. <laughs> which I thought was a really funny joke. Um... Uh, the Rat King, I definitely didn't fight that on Duskmare, either. It's just a cart dog, but reskinned. Okay. But it is tricky to get to. I had to, like, cower on the on the ledge that leads to a secret. So it can never reach you and just shoot it to death. Hmm. So the bosses are all kind of, like, very cheesable. Mm-hmm. They all, It basically is like they all may as well be Seathon because you don't really end up fighting them the way that you have to fight like the Cyber Demon, the Spider Mastermind, and Doom. Yeah. They're not really monsters. Uh, well, th- this is the wrap-up for uh, all of our Dusk podcasts because uh, that is going to be our third and final entry into the Dusk series. Um, this was really fun to do. Uh, and, and this is, uh, might be for a short term, the end of our first person shooter series as well. Uh, but, um, it, you know, the enemies in dusk are a, a pretty interesting set. You know, there's some familiar stuff, uh, 
and some that are new and unique uh, that uh, are unlike anything seen in other first-person shooters. And I think that we saw uh, in particular that just because Dusk limits itself to all projectile enemies doesn't mean that every enemy is uh, exactly the same to deal with. Uh, there are a lot of nuances and subtleties that uh, come from both the level design and the properties of the enemies and the difficulty settings that make them different and interesting to uniquely deal with. Um, and the designs are all pretty cool and fun too. So that in and of itself uh, is a strength of the game. Uh, so it has been uh, good talking about Dusk and uh, thank you everyone for listening. And um, in our next recording in maybe a month or so, we'll probably be back to talk about uh, Kirby and the Forgotten Land. Yay. Uh, so until then, uh, that's me signing off. Uh, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having us. Bye-bye. Yeah. Bye. Peace.